Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 16. Is Chris Hedges right about Bernie Sanders? In a recent appearance, Chris Hedges explains how Bernie Sanders has been a tool for sheep herding people into the Democratic Party and how Bernie has prevented a third party movement. What are your thoughts? So it looks like we have our first caller and that is Alex. Alex, what's going on? You're now on the mic. You just have to hit the unmute button. Hi, you hear me, Sabby? Hello? Hello, do you hear me? Hello? Can't hear you, Alex. Can you hear me now? Hello? You guys can hear, so maybe it's just me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's see here. Hello? Give me just one second. Okay. Testing. They can hear me. I'm getting I can feedback. hear you now. The volume All is All right. Hi, Sabby. Nice to speak with you. And hello, everyone. Uh Yes, uh, yes, uh, Chris Hedges is right. Uh, let me just tell you that I never was under the, uh, uh, I never had the feeling that Bernie was going to be our savior. I've been kind of uh, aware of our system and an anti-imperialist since age 10. So when all this was happening, but I have to admit, I did get swept up. And after all these decades of horror, and here comes Bernie, and he's saying Medicare, Medicare for all, and uh, some other stuff. I was swept up with it, but I never quite embraced him as the savior. But I was so uh, hopeful at that point that I was, uh, you know, I gave my twenty-seven dollars to him and was hoping for the best. But then when he and his good friend Biden got together. That was the end for me. And after that, I did not, I, I decided I was not going to be part of electoral politics anymore. And, uh, I knew that he was with the Dems. And when he showed his colors by saying, let's vote for Hillary and my friend Joe, that was the end over and out for me. So yes, he caucuses with the Dems. He is a, he is a, he is in favor of the wars and monies for the wars. And he's not a revolutionary. He's not someone that reflects my uh, humanistic feelings about the world. Uh, he could speak about it, but when he sides with the Dems, uh, he does not represent me. So uh, I agree with Chris when it comes to that. Thank you so much, Alex. Why do you think Bernie Sanders didn't try to start like a third party movement? Let's say after he lost in 2016. You know, good question. You know, you can't really delve into his mind at any point uh, when this whole started in 2016 or 2020. But uh, just by his actions and his words, I don't think he ever was going to, he was always going to be part of the system and he accepted being part of the system, the Dems. And I don't think that that was ever on the, in his mind. I don't think that was ever an issue in his, in his, in his mindset. Um, I really don't think that that was on his agenda. 
Mm. Well said. Just a disappointing thing. Do you think Bernie Sanders kind of used the young people in a way? I don't think he went out to use them. I think he, you know, he was more, uh, you know, quote unquote progressive minded than the rest. And then when he got into the ring there, uh, he attracted a lot of young people because, well, he, there's a lot of them were disenfranchised, not voting. He had something fresh and exciting to say about a lot of the things that were going on in the world and affecting them, affecting all of us, but affecting them, and it riled them up to get involved. But I don't think he had an agenda, well, we're going to get the young – I mean, he probably they wanted to target young people, but I don't think that they actually used them or uh, – I think it was just part of his plan – and, you know, that's another thing. Why did he have a plan and why did he do all that and get everybody behind him and then do what he did? That's my thing. That's my thing. You know, not did he have a plan to get Pete certain population or uh, why did he present himself a certain way, even though he was in the, Demo- doing a Democrat- in the Democratic Party, so we have to remember that. But why did he present himself in a certain way and then – Bail. That really disappointed me. <laughs> yes, yes. And how do you excite so many young people, mobilize so many young people, and then just let them down like that? I, it was uh, uh, quite a sight to see, I would say. I, I just yeah. felt like even though he didn't win, he still should have been there to support the people that he mobilized to get yeah. out there and to really think we can make a difference. Yeah, those are the two major things. And then, you know, when I sit back and watch all this, I think, you know what? No one person is going to save us. Electoral politics is meaningless. I don't know what the future is. I'm not optimistic. I've been around, you know, for 50 years I've been fighting, and I'm really tired. (laughs) I don't have hope. I don't think things are going to get better because in order for there to be any change, the whole system has to be completely eliminated and I don't see that happening. So I'm scared for the future. I don't know how, you know, in my lifetime, but I don't see the change that we want to see happening. Um, and I'll leave on this. I think that, uh, we as the Americans, the American psyche is for the most part the way it is because of how we started when we invaded this land. And here we are now. I think most Americans, I think Americans have always been pretty ignorant. We read below a sixth grade reading level, um, we're xenophobic. And yes, a lot of us are struggling, but until we get it together. and but The other thing is, too, there's not going to be a magic light bulb that's going to pop over everyone's heads and they're going to all of a sudden be radicalized and go, oh, my God, look what's going on. I don't see that happening. And I've just resolved myself to think, to just keep on being the, you know, anti-imperialist badass I've always been. Uh, getting, you know, work with mutual aid and, and food, not bombs in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and hope for the best. And thank you, Sabby and the RBN family. You guys are the real deal. Thank you so much for calling in, Alex. Thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. All right. Kev, you are the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hi, Sabby. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Uh, 
So, uh, it's come good. And yourself, how's uh, everything out there in Boston doing for you? It's pretty good. I mean, it's it's warm now, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm calling in from New York City, so I can feel you. <laughs> All right. So, the question is, is Chris Hedges right about Bernie Sanders? <sighs> That's a good question. Well, well, full disclosure, I never exactly um, heard Chris Hedges talk, like, in word for word, but from the... But from the looks of it, when he says that Bernie has become a tool for the for sheep herding folks into the Democratic Party, and and has I would you know what I would say to that? Yeah, I would. I mean, like, I feel like from the from the from the past, I would say every the, the minute Biden Biden was sworn into office, that's when I started to feel like Bernie and the squad to like lose their spines, like. They stopped fighting for what they really campaigned on. Bernie himself really didn't like, uh, no longer um, rejuvenate, rejuvenated his movement. He kind of disbanded his movement uh, as soon as Biden got into office. And yeah, um, and as far as if he prevented a third party movement, well, I wouldn't say he, he, may, have, he may not have actively prevented it, but he never really tried to get people to, Realize that, yeah, you can you can you can run as a third party candidate. Look at Jesse Ventura; he won in Colorado, but he sort of just like sat back and relaxed and let. He never really uh, fought for what he ran on in twenty sixteen. So, yes, unfortunately, Bernie, yeah, he uh, he's no longer the guy we thought he was. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I've often wondered, like, why is he still independent at this point if you're always going to caucus with the Democrats and not, like, use your position to get some kind of leverage? Like, if I was Bernie Sanders and I'm the independent, obviously the Democratic Party is going to need you for their votes, right, to pass legislation. If I was Bernie Sanders, I would say, well, you want to pass this legislation? You need my vote? I need you to bring Medicare for all to the floor for a vote something just just do something but he just goes along with them he doesn't even try like it's just to hear him say things like joe biden's doing a great job i'm like you can't, oh my god like, seriously i'm like they're all they're all like co-opted yeah absolutely they have been co-opted like you know what let me let me tell you something else savvy there was a time when i thought like okay so i live in new york's 14th district aoc is my congressperson so when I, so let me tell you something. I remember you once mentioned how you wanted to do a panel on people who canvass for AOC. Now, full disclosure, I never was on her payroll, but but since I live in her district, A, I once phone banked for her and once donated to her. So I was elated when she won in 2018. And I thought, oh, wow, we can actually take over the Democratic Party and actually build a real revolutionary movement. But... As soon as 2021 came in, and as soon as she started to, along with Bernie, as soon as she started to like do everything that she ever did, you know, abandon forced abode, um, call Nancy Pelosi mama bear, become be co-opted by her, um, you know, you go down the list. Then I thought, you know what? Maybe this whole taking over the Democratic Party thing is a fool's errand. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's time to have a serious conversation about what we can do in regards to direct action, in regards to mutual aid. And, um, you know, strengthening and starting efforts to create a new political party. Yeah, it's it hurts. It actually really stings. This thing's worse than Obama, because at least with Barack Obama, we should have known that we were going to get the Obama that we had because he was the one who took more money from Wall Street. But AOC never did. Neither did Bernie. So 
This one with Bernie and AOC stings exponentially worse than what we did with Obama. So, yeah. I agree. Like, Obama never claimed to be uh, grassroots either. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, no, I agree. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Well, Kev, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Uh, thanks, you, Sabby. Have a good one. You too. All right, Ashura, you are the next caller. Welcome. Hey, Sabi. Hello. Hello. Um, one, one question before I answer what's tonight's topic. Um, do you think Jackson may be Jimmy Dore's son in reality? Like there was a switch up in some hospital, like a sperm bank or something? Oh, hold on, Ashura. I can barely hear you. I think your volume's a little low. No, the volume's up. It's up. Maybe, maybe uh, it's just me. Okay. Because um, I know like Jackson, J- Jimmy likes to bring Jackson on. And I think maybe I'm just joking, but secretly that Jack, let's, let, let's do a, like a GoFundMe to see if Jackson is Jimmy's son. You ever see the episode of Family Guy? <laughs> Family Guy, how, how Stewie had a twin brother where basically all the sperms inside Lois were fighting and Stewie <laughs> managed to get inside and the sperm somehow survived. And basically, he got basically he came he came to this world from to another woman's body. I'm just saying that <laughs> Jackson's <laughs> son. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm saying. I'm not saying it is. Uh, as for if Bur- uh, as for the the topic at hand, um, I think Bernie's always been a sellout. I mean, there are times where I watch your channel and RBN and you guys say that uh, Bernie woke you up. And there are times I'm watching and I'm screaming, you didn't need Bernie to woke you up, man. You're black. I mean, (laughs) it's exactly what it is. Your skin color just means poverty. So I'm pretty sure you saw it at an early age. You didn't need like a old white guy who's been dependent on the party. Like you did like a story about him, how he basically secretly has an agreement when he lost the first time, he had to go to a liberal school and then come back. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. was he really was he really a progressive? I mean, nowadays progressive. I think CJ said something about the new word progressive just means that uh, progressive means you're moving, but you're not really moving. You're going to stop at some point and then claim it's somebody else that's keeping you from doing change. Right. Right. So, I think he's a neoliberal. I mean, the guy, every time he votes for something like uh like a a bill or a war he always comes out gives a strongly worded letter and then say he disagrees with it and then turns around and fucks you over yeah no that's kind of like his job so michael parenti there's a video of michael parenti that we played on rbn uh recently of michael parenti saying that bernie sanders is a liberal yeah well, well, that's that's the thing about the liberal. Then, like, how, how many names? If you're someone who doesn't agree with the Democratic Party, you call yourself progressive. Now they can just take that word. I mean, Hillary Clinton called herself a progressive. Yeah, no, she did. And so, well, Nancy Pelosi was also progressive at one point. Was she? I mean, <laughs> it, it was the '90s. Yeah, that's true. But at one point, she was even for universal health care in California. Well, a lot, a lot of them, from what I've, from what I, from what I can see from the videos, they all said that. Like Bernie said it. I, I'm pretty sure Schumer would have, would have said it at one point. But they've all been exposed. 
And Bernie Sanders needs to answer what the hell has he been doing with all the money he's been taking. Like, how, how come you guys are getting, like, phone calls from the Democratic Party? I thought he said he was never going to give your, uh, your emails or anything. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think he was honest about that because, again, like, I'm... I constantly get emails from Democrat politicians, corporate Democrat politicians that I never supported. And I never received emails from them before, before I supported Bernie Sanders. Yeah, because I I think Bernie, uh, I think in reality, he he basically wasn't, he wasn't there for, he wasn't there to win. He was there to sheep herd people. If he was winning something, he was basically putting more people into the Democratic Party. Right. Right. No, I agree. I agree. It just, it's like, he's there to capture the young vote. Like he's there to mobilize young voters to get us all energetic and talk about change and improvement. Talk about things that can really benefit a lot of us, like canceling student loan debt and things like that. But in the end of the day, we know the DNC is not going to give him the vote. They're not going to give him the nomination. They'll find a way to change it, just like they did during the the primary debates for 2020. What did they say? How many of you think if the person that has the most delegates should be the nominee? Bernie Sanders was the only one that said yes. So what that tell you, you watch how they change up the rules to let Bloomberg join last minute. It's just they'll find a way to keep him out. But then what Bernie can do with that energy that he mobilized and all those young people, well, you got to go ahead and vote for my opponent here, the corporate Democrat. Otherwise, the Republicans are going to win. Yeah, his good friend Joe. I wonder how Mm -hmm. many people will still buy the bullshit of the Democratic Party. Like every time you try to, like with Jimmy. Oh, shit. Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. You're you're just kind of low. Like it seems like you're um uh, my, phone, my phone is all up. I got a Samsung like basically it's all up. I don't know why it's low. I don't know. So, um you you I was going to I was going to ask one more thing before I go. Um do you think uh do you think it's do you think AOC is like the next Bernie? Do you think people are having enough of AOC by now cuz uh she sold out a bit quicker than I would say. No, I say Jamal Bowman sold out quicker than AOC. People <sighs> so buy AOC AOC's bullshit. I don't think AOC's the next Bernie. I think AOC's the next Pelosi. I think that's what she's aiming for. Unless she leaves Congress before then, and she may do that. Right? She may decide this is too much. I'm just gonna ride this out till I get my five years in, and then I'll get the pension. I'll get more speaking engagements and I'll be pretty much set. But what if but I think if she's, yeah, I think if she stays with it, I think she's going to end up being the next Pelosi. Cause like I said, when Nancy Pelosi first entered office, she was also progressive. She was for universal healthcare. She's not for that now. Uh, so want to make a bet, which of the squad goes out first? I'm, I'm thinking Omar. I'm thinking Cory Bush because I think Cory Bush may not win this year. Cory, she might stick around. I'm pretty sure Omar's going down because uh, with all the bombings going in Somalia, I don't think her, uh, I don't think her constituents are going to like it. I mean, Jimmy Dore did a video of them bombing basically nomads. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. think 
because they're both uh, Africans from another country, so they're not gonna like one of their owns basically paying money to go bomb them over over there, and she's being com- she's comfortable over here. So I think AOC probably will stay. I don't think Omar's going. So, anyways, I'm gonna I'm not gonna keep the call the call open too long. So my since my phone is uh, it's not it's not that it's not that uh, loud. So I, I I'm basically done here. So. Okay. Alrighty. No worries. Um, I'll go ahead and take the next caller, which is Frank. So Frank, you are the next caller. Okay. Can you hear me? Um, I can hear you loud and clear. Terrific. Thank you, Sabi, for this opportunity. Um, I'd like to, before going into Bernie Sanders, uh, quickly respond to, uh, or get our way in, in terms of the last conversation that you were having. I actually think that AOC, based on some of the things that she's been uh, saying and doing lately, uh, being extremely critical of Congress as a whole, but especially of the Democratic Party, I'm wondering whether she sees herself, because I think she's very ambitious and knows that she has a terrific following, uh, thinking about a third party uh, herself, uh, starting a third party. So I'm just (laughs) putting that out there. Uh, I have very little to go, uh, obviously to go on, but um, just what she's been doing recently leads me in that direction. With regard to Bernie, um, I probably am like many people, were, was fanatically for Bernie Sanders. Uh, when I used to have a blog, I wrote, I don't know how many blog uh, positions saying my case for Bernie Sanders. I've done about 30 videos, half of which uh, on Medicare for All, half of which mentioned uh, Bernie Sanders. And these are videos in terms of public information because of my governmental service and policy knowledge that I've put on Facebook mostly. Um, I have a different take on why he doesn't pursue something relentlessly to the end. And I'm going to use Medicare for All as my example. When you believe in something and you have a vision of something and you 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 relentlessly pursue it um, in, in terms of its conclusion. And I even think that 80% of his remaining term that he stopped doing other things and just concentrate on something, and I think Medicare for all is the thing that he should concentrate on. I have a different feeling of why he has not fulfilled his promise, and that is my knowledge of elected officials is that they become addicted, addicted to the office. When you look at the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the Mitch McConnell's, people that have the Jim Clyburn's, they've been there 25, 30, 35, Chuck Schumer, 41 years. Uh, Having worked with elected officials at all levels, city, state, and federal, I can tell you that it, and being a high-level administrative person, when you walk into a room and you know that you're the top person in the room, there is something that an adrenaline, the adrenaline that goes with that. We have become, my family and I and a lot of friends, extremely disenchanted. And the reason for this, and I hope this doesn't sound too wonky, um, Medicare for All is eminently doable. The major studies over the last five years, I'm going to name three, the Perry study, which actually was the study that did uh, and analyzed Bernie's bill in 2017 and who he has abandoned, Robert Pollan and the people that did that study, uh, 
uh, Jerry Friedman, uh, Dr. Jerry Friedman, that did the original work on the Conyers bill and then the Pramila Jayabal bill and has done uh, numerous studies and actually written a book. He's been abandoned. The Yale Lancet study, which most people use as the amount of money that could be saved by regulating uh, pharmaceuticals and providers and getting rid of uh, the, profi profi uh, the profit-making insurance companies, um, they have been abandoned. All these studies, including two CBO studies that have said that Medicare for All is the way to go financially uh, and, and morally and in terms of health. Nobody's using them, including Bernie Sanders' own Senate hearing after not having a bill in the Senate, nor did he have a companion bill for 10 years while H.R. 676 of John Conyers was there. But here's the thing. Bernie Sanders produced about five years ago something called Options for Funding for Financing Medicare for All. He doesn't talk about it. If you go to his senatorial website and you look under issues, it says Medicare for All. Within those paragraphs, there's a supposed link please read my financing options for Medicare for All. You press on that link, it goes to a page that says, page not found. It's not there. In the Senate hearing, he was he didn't use it in multiple opportunities. It was his hearing two weeks ago, two hours and 11 minutes. Not once does he mention it. The, the critical thing for people, and I've been working like mad to try to get this point across, is that whether you talk about Medicare for all, you want to be able to answer the question, how do you pay for it? Right. One way of answering, answering it is uh, modern monetary theory. So that's how you get $40 billion going to Ukraine without any decision-making, any budgetary analysis, nothing. That's MMT, which yep. happens to be really uh, the way to go to put everybody employed. But the other one is when you want to answer somebody like Lindsey Graham or anybody that's going to be a detractor or Nancy Pelosi, who had the Nancy Pelosi question about four years ago, how do you pay for that? Then you have to produce like Johnny Cochran would, if he was still alive, you want to answer everybody. You don't want anybody, no stone unturned. You do it through his financing options. It's 12 options. And the first two, which is a 4% employee tax, health-related tax, and the second one, a 7.5 payroll tax, with two taxes that other countries, the majority of other countries use, comes up to 84% of the average amount of new revenue needed according to the major studies over the last five years. So if you average the maintenance of effort, meaning... You, you maintain Medicaid, Medicare, Child Health Plus, all that stuff. You uh, have the average savings that they said if you remove the for-private insurance companies, you regulate pharmaceuticals and providers, you do fraud prevention, etc. Average all that out, you still need new revenue according to all these studies. The average two years ago was $900 billion dollars. The first two options of Bernie Sanders comes up to seven, uh, the 350, 740 billion. It comes up to 84% of what you need. Now, 
doesn't have to be 4%. If you don't want to re- you get some money from the Defense Department to plug in that 160 shortfall, well, you raise the employee uh, to 4.5 or 5. You've raised the 7.5 to 8% like Denmark or I forgot another country in Europe has an 8% payroll tax. The thing is, is that, and this is going to strike people as being unbelievable, but you have to be making over $650,000 in household income a year and not see a savings if you use Bernie's plan, so it crosses classes and cross everybody makes out. And I'm looking at that through the lowest cost platinum plan in districts. Uh, in, in districts, so whether you're making sixty thousand, a hundred thousand, hundred fifty, all the way up to even probably beyond ninety nine percent of Americans that have to go to private insurance would see a savings. Obviously, the savings would be gargantuan and meaningful for uh, 80% of Americans that don't fall within the top quintile or the top 5 or 1%. It cuts across income inequality, wealth inequality, you name it. It is so key, and he doesn't talk about this. Mm. In call, uh, meaning Bernie Sanders. So I think it's the whole thing of just being addicted to being a senator and loving all the crowds. By the way, I've been to the live uh, speeches. Uh, I mean, (laughs) my, my whole family did a dance that went viral on Facebook called the Premature Bernie Sanders Victory Dance to some salsa music, dancing in the living room. I mean, there isn't anything that we did, and we were all wearing... Bernie Sanders uh, t-shirts and hats and so forth and so on. We were crazy for Bernie Sanders. But Jesus Christ, how many times are you going to say that Medicare is a right without the voting, your time relentlessly to this and get it done? So the fact that he has not done this, I completely, I mean, Chris Hedges is a, I'm a, f- a huge fan of, of his. Um, he's absolutely right. Do I think that Bernie was given the task of wooing young people and that he took on that as a role? Not so sure. Do I think that he is addicted like 90% of these people that are in elected office, particularly at the federal level, addicted to the office, addicted to the applause, and the addicted to all the people that come and, and hear him uh, speak at whatever event? Yes. I think that has become more important than getting the job done. And uh, please forgive me for talking so long, but I feel very strongly about this. And uh, and I love the fact that you are actually talking about this because I saw that Chris Hedges clip on my own uh, in, in, in our house uh, not more than two days ago. I'm always watching Chris Hedges uh, videos. Yeah. Thank you so much, Frank. Um, I'm going to go to the next caller. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those things. I think people are really addicted to the benefits that they get from those positions from being in BC, being in DC, the amount of power that they seem to have, like the notoriety, the recognition that they get and the privileges that come along with it. And I just think it's really disappointing that you just 
got the hopes up of so many, especially young people, working class people, poor people. I knew people that gave their last to Bernie Sanders because they believed in him and they thought that he was really going to get everybody Medicare for all in this country. And to see him just fold, I felt like he folded like a cheap suit. It's just really dis, it's really disappointing. And I'm hearing even now they're trying to tell him to run for 2024. And I think that Bernie Sanders time has come and gone. And I think if he ran in 2024, I think it would be an embarrassment, but thank you so much for calling Frank. I'm going to go to the next caller. Oh, thank you. All right, Keith, you are next on the mic. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Hi, Sammy. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Yeah, with Bernie, I'm one of those people where um, when I first heard Chris Hedges kind of break it down in terms of how we felt about him, uh, I think he even goes as far as mentioning Bernie's affiliation to Clinton in the 90s, saying that this was kind of always him. It wasn't that he's folded recently. And it kind of broke my heart when when, when it all kind of sunk in, I guess. But the more I thought about it, I think he's somewhere in the middle, like, that he's a human being. I think there's a degree of cowardice there. I think deep down he probably knew they weren't going to let him ultimately win, but perhaps justified it to himself by knowing he was building a movement. Right. It's just hard to justify the fact that he kind of let it all drop, and then now sheepherds everyone towards the Democratic Party, so it's hard to kind of do a good good faith interpretation, but... I can't imagine he's just a sociopath who's like twirling his evil mustache and it was all part of the plan. Like, I don't know if it's that deep, but I do think that he wants there to be change, but doesn't want to be like Kucinich or, you know, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, geez. Or Ralph Nader, yeah. He, I think he oh, yeah, doesn't want to be, yeah. become like, in time, it's like, maybe he, go out in front of thousands and thousands of people and like when I was at Bernie's rally here in Boston it was over 10,000 people there and you tell them we're going to have you can't just walk away and say vote for Joe Biden and I think that's the difference you know like if this was just a part of a campaign for him he told us that he'd still be outside if with his people and his movement and he just he just left his movement is rather embarrassing how Bernie Sanders is not embarrassed. Like, I really don't. To do this to people two election cycles in a row. I don't know if he tried to convince himself that he thought that perhaps they would let him win. Even him bailing on his own people. I find myself almost trying to make excuses for him that whoever it is who pulls the strings that whispers the same scares AOC that isn't Pelosi, but that gets people to just drop everything or whatever is motivating Rokana if it isn't just his potential ambition. Um, yeah, but I think with Bernie, I saw in chat that uh, when I say that Bernie's in the middle, I don't mean politically. I meant the middle in terms of, I don't think he's intentionally sheep herding uh, from the jump, like the whole time. I think that he's trying to convince himself. It's not naive, but at the same point, I don't think that it's all part of a master plan. I think bit. that it's more, excuse me? little bit keith yeah i'm sorry yeah i think my service is getting i'll, I'll let you go actually here because i don't want to okay mess the show up because my, my service is getting kind of crazy the uh next caller which is eric you are on the mic 
Hey, how's it going? Hello. Um, sounds like you're cutting out a little bit. Me? Yeah. Oh. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Like it sounds like it sounds fine. It must be coming out for me. I don't know what's going on. Um. Can you hear me though? Yeah. Okay. So this whole. The whole thing, um, Chris had just being right about Bernie, yeah. I mean, honest to God, instead of, imagine what else we could have been doing these, those, what, eight years now? Instead of wasting time with Bernie, there could have been real, there could have been a real movement for something bigger than just him. Um... We could have had real, a real Thorpe. We, we could have had something like maybe, maybe a Green Party or maybe whatever party in tandem with direct action, of course. And, and yeah, it's just we could have had a real challenge to, to capitalism in America as opposed to compromising on the social democrat at best. But see, uh, hear me okay? Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. Weird. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I can't look at the chat and talk at the same time. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that... Um, I think that's the problem, though. Bernie being a social, a social Democrat, right? In that sense, you're still a capitalist. Yeah. Like, you know, this is something I think we should all talk about at some point because, like, there was a lot of, like, rhetoric when Bernie was running, especially 2020. They were like, oh, no, here comes the socialist. Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He's the evil, like, socialist person. And he was a social Democrat. And social Democrats, just like Democratic Socialists of America, they aren't a hundred percent against capitalism. They just want to put they want to put guardrails on capitalism. They think there's problems with capitalism, but they're not socialists. And I think that's that's part of the issue. Yeah, and it was especially obvious when Bernie doesn't have a reparations platform either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that should have been case in point right there, and. In the in the perfect situation, 
you'd really we would really it would have really been great to have it come down to it could have came down to either Bernie Bernie versus Jill or Bernie versus Howie. That would have been ideal. Yes. I I, I mean that like here's part of like part of the problem I think though. I don't think that Bernie Sanders, I don't think the Democratic Party was going to allow Bernie Sanders to start a third party. There's that article by Black Agenda Report um, that came out a couple years ago where they talked about that. that. There was some kind of agreement that he had with the Democratic Party. Yeah. I, I think I heard, I think I heard, I think it was one of you on RB. I think it was you, Savvy, talking about it. I think, I think it was you. But, but yeah. Like at, at some point, I mean, we have a like the fear of a right wing backlash being real. We have a dangerously miseducated country. Not even not even just miseducated, undereducated at that. So, and this is part of I guess it's part of the reason why I why I actually jumped into teaching, even though it wasn't it wasn't the first thing on my mind, because. I'm noticing this with some of these kids. Hold on, uh, let let me jump in and correct this shit. And there's not enough of us doing that, and so there's only so much you can correct as one individual. Right. No, you're right about that. And oh no, oh no, no, it's just. It's, it's just that, like, when you hear um, school board officials that are trying to get classes down to 20 people, when in reality it should be 10 and there should be an ecosystem that builds educators up from the community from the ground up, we don't have that. And therefore, we don't take education seriously as a society so that we can prevent this miseducation in the first place. But... Whatever, I guess. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and for people who are not aware, I do want to say, like, for people that are educators, ideally, you want to have a smaller class because that gives you more individual time with each student. And a lot of schools have, have done away with that. They increase the class sizes because they cut the budget. That's the first thing that goes. Back in the arts. So ideally, you want to have a smaller class size. So that especially students that need extra help, you could spend more time with that student and help them instead of setting them over to another department in the school where they have to learn IEP or something like that. So is that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, it's just like... I really think that the Democratic Party, I think the DNC, I don't think they would let him do that. I think that he had some type of agreement earlier on that you couldn't do that. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, he's such such an asshole for agreeing to that shit. Well, I'm scared of getting destroyed by the Democratic Party. Okay, and you get destroyed. So what? Grow a pair. I have more respect for Nader now than I ever, than I ever will you, Bernie. 
that's just real. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It'll be interesting to see what happens 2024. If he really runs in 2024, I'll just laugh. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, honestly. All right, Eric, thanks so much for calling. Go right. to the next call. All right, appreciate it, Zavik. Okay, cool. Okay, Tracy, you are the next caller. You just have to unmute your mic. Hi, everyone. Um, before I answer your, your question, Savvy, I do think it would be really great to have a upcoming conversation about communism versus democratic socialism. Um, but I really adore Chris Hedges, and I think he was, you know, on point about in his talk about Bernie um, and I kind of wear a little bit of a tin hat so people might see me as nuts or crazy but I think that there's so much we don't know and that it, it's really really serious the, these situations and I think the abruptness of his switch is super suspect. I mean, he was waving one kind of flag and then all of a sudden, like with an instant, he completely changed. So I'm wondering, as you know, people have been making different comments. And as you just said, Sabi, like, was there an agreement? You know, what happened for him to change his tune? Why is he running as a Democrat anyways? Why is he cool with them? Why doesn't he call them out? And it's almost just like the same situation with Nina Turner. You can tell she's holding back on on saying certain things. So I feel like it's some crazy stuff going on. And I even wonder, and this might seem way out there, but I wonder, was he put up from the very beginning? So those are kind of just my main thoughts about him. Those are good questions. And I have to say also, I was actually wondering about Nina Turner's responses too. Like I know she said, she told us some things, right? Like she talked about how some of the members of the squad, they were threatened. And she told us how they told her she wasn't the right kind of Democrat. The Congressional Black Caucus told her that. Right. And I understand that part. But at the same time, I kind of wondered too, is there something else that she's not saying? Right. I mean, this is the U.S. empire that we're talking about here. You know, our government branches in the Pentagon, they're doing horrendous things around this entire globe. And they're on serious missions. We're talking about heinous crimes against humanity. And so when when I think about that, you know threatening them, you know, I could totally see some somebody telling them whether it's the DNC, RNC, whatever, we'll kill you and your whole family or whatever, something like that. If you don't follow our lead, I just feel like it's way more serious. And we're on this hamster wheel of asking why, why, why? And I really appreciate you open up the larger conversation because it needs to get larger and larger and larger. And I'd like to see us all expand our thinking and about 
you know, what happened because he really disappointed so many people. And it, it, it was devastating for me to explain to my, my teenage daughter, you know, this is what happened. This is what he did. And I didn't even have to go on a rant because she's brilliant enough to understand. She's a smart girl. I just had to mention a few things. What he, you know, after the election and, and we saw how he was kind of rolling and she got it, but it was devastating to have to tell my baby that, you know? Yes. No, I, I totally understand. I know that, uh, my dad was very pessimistic about, uh, I'm going back to Barack Obama, right? So that's the first person I could vote for. Mm-hmm. And he was very uh, pessimistic about it. And I didn't understand why I, I was kind of confused. And I'm just like, dad, what's your deal? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just, and he just wasn't happy the same way that a lot of us, especially younger people were about Obama winning. And he did not fall for the identity politics. Like my dad kind of saw it for what it was. And mm. he told me, that. he said, the game is rigged. And I was just like, dad, all these people went out and voted for, <laughs> voted for Barack Obama. What are you talking about? And he said, one day you'll see. And I, I see now. And I, I think it took someone like Bernie Sanders for me to see just how rigged the game is. Because I think that if it would just been like 2016 and, and 2020, um, 2020, if it would have just been corporate, you know, politicians that were running like it usually was, who knows if I would have woken up. Mm-hmm. And I think it took someone like seeing what happened with him in the DNC for 2016 and 2020, that really like woke me up. Like, listen, they're never going to let somebody like that win. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I remember you sharing that story about your dad and, you know, such a wise, a wise guy, but I, it, there's definitely a ton of benefits from us as grown folks now seeing it play out almost like from beginning to the end, like the whole or one of the plays anyways, you know, of maybe letting him get in a little bit just to tear him down or maybe setting him up just to let us down on purpose or something. Again, I don't know, but cause with Obama, you know, I was a, a young person and, you know, I voted for him that first time, but I, I didn't know what, what was going on. I, you know, I was too young. So absolutely. Calling in uh, Tracy. I'm going to go to the next caller. Thanks, Abby. Okay, Rose, you are the next caller. Just have to hit unmute. Uh Oh, I think she dropped off. That happens sometimes. Um, I don't know if I should. Let me see what happened to Rose. Where did you go? Oh, I don't know. I can't find her. Uh, Let me go ahead to the next caller, which is Shelly. Shelly, you are next on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hey, Zabby, how are you? Hello, how are you? I'm doing really good. I've listened to you for a long time. This is the first time I've, that I've gotten the chance to call in. So I'm really happy to talk to you. Yay. Welcome. Thank you. Um, man, I, I'm kind of really sick of talking about Bernie on the left. But I also know that he was like, he was a huge point of radicalization for a lot of people. And so I hate like criticizing him in the same way that I feel about criticizing the squad. 
but it's really just nostalgia. Um, I think we just have to get over Bernie. I, I know that we can like talk about it and we can refer to all those incidents, but we keep looking backwards instead of looking forwards. We learned our lessons with Bernie. Let's move forward. What do you think about that, Zabby? I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm I'm a little bit concerned because uh, Jacobin just put out an article saying that numbers show that people do want Bernie to run in 2024. They do want him to oh run again. God. And I'm just like. That like if he runs like one of the reasons why I think Bernie might just run in 2024 is because if Bernie ran in 2024, half of his base does not believe in him anymore. It would be the biggest embarrassment to what the broad public actually thinks socialism is, which is not at all like Bernie and the squad are doing. Um, but part of me thinks that they're going to force Bernie to run just to really squash the left, really squash progressivism. I think if he ran in 2024 at that point, it would be a vanity project. And I say that because he already said that he may run if Joe Biden does not run. Joe Biden already said he's going to run again. So like I said, if he was really about change and he really wanted to fight for change, why would you need Joe Biden not to run? You should try to challenge him as much as possible. That's that's the thing that kind of just drives me crazy about the conversations that we have on the left. It's just all of this like... Oh, okay. Um, well, we did this move and let's just sit back and wait and let's see what they're going to do. Like, why, why aren't we just like pushing ahead, not going backwards and saying like, well, maybe this one candidate will be different or this time it'll change. Or maybe if we switch who we donate to, like, we keep going backwards and not coming up with a plan forwards. And that's, that's Bernie's thing. It's always going backwards. Yes. I personally don't think we should be focusing on like putting anybody through the Democratic Party anymore. I think we should be focusing on a serious third party or independent challenger. Someone that has a lot of name recognition and someone that a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree. I guess, I mean, who, who, Sabi, who do you have in mind? Dream Ticket, Cornell West, Chris Hedges, or Jill Stein, Chris Hedges, or Jill Stein, See, Cornell I, West, or Cynthia I McKinney. I kind of think maybe I, I do like the idea of Chris Hedges, but I think of Jimmy Dore as vice president. That would be interesting. My question is, do we think Jimmy would do that? No, Jimmy wouldn't. I mean, and I understand why. You know, I, I totally get it. But I, I don't think, because I keep seeing people pressure Jimmy, and he always just seems really hesitant and reluctant. Like, he'll kind of entertain it just because he doesn't want to squash people's hopes for it. But he doesn't want to. Yeah, because Jackson came on tonight and said that, um, I guess, uh, Chris Hedges has talked to him about it. So that's oh. interesting. Wow. That 
That is interesting. That's that's very interesting. But I wonder if Chris Hedges talked to Jimmy Dore about running for president, but it but Chris Hedges was going to be a speechwriter like he was for Nader, you know, or if he was proposing a door plus whoever ticket. That's a good question. I mean, I still would like to speak to Ralph Nader, you know? Um, I mean, I know he doesn't see his, yeah, to get his take on a lot of this stuff, but you would really need someone that is just not afraid that's really not afraid because they're going to throw everything that they have at you. Yes, absolutely. They, uh, and Sabi, I, I don't know if you ended or you just stopped talking. I stopped talking. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I think there was just a little bit of lag. No, I mean, can you remind me again? What, what, the last part that you said? I think whoever ran third party or independent, it has to be someone who is not afraid. And I mean, really not afraid because they're going to throw all kinds of things at you. They're going to smear you till no end, just like they did with Jill Stein. They called her a Russian asset. They're going to try to, they're going to try to degrade you as much as they can to get you to, to just drop out or just to give up. But it needs, that's why I said it needs to be someone that has name recognition, someone that a lot of people know. And Cornell West probably would never do it. But the reason why I say Cornell West is because that's somebody that is revered among older generations and younger generations. Mm-hmm. Like Cornell West is like forever, like a lot of everybody knows him. Um, he has great relationships with people. I think he would be great. Plus Chris Hedges, obviously, um, they they go well together. They pair well together. Could you imagine yeah, Chris Hedges, like as much as both of them speak and give public speech, like speaking engagements, could you imagine them giving like campaign speeches themselves? I think we're I mean, really moving. I- I, I think it would. And and I'm also just kind of thinking about a situation where how would the media use the same tactics that they used with Trump against them to just like people that were listening to them? It, it's that's the weird thing with Trump is that even though he was ridiculous and he was a terrible president, there was still something in him that people responded to. And I think both Chris Hedges and Cornell West have that. So the media wouldn't understand it. The elites wouldn't understand it, but kind of like the working class would. I think they would be a really good pair. Right. And I think that people don't want a politician anymore. I think that's why someone like Trump was able to win. People are like, yay, maybe this is what we need. Someone who's not a politician. I mean, that was kind of one of the reasons why Bernie was somewhat attractive um, was because you know, he'd been there forever, like no one had really noticed him, you know, and so he felt like sort of an outsider and he didn't feel like a politician. He he felt different. And then, you know, he turned out to be the same. Exactly. But thank you so much for calling in, Shelly. Yeah, I'm going to go to the... Okay, Eric, you're on the mic. Hey, Savvy, thanks for taking my call. Hey, let me start off by saying that uh, Bernie got stabbed in the in the back, in the front by the DNC in 2016. At that time, 
if he would have been really about it, he would have had come out and people would have got behind him right there and there. He would have said, hey, these guys kicked my ass illegally. They did me wrong and I'm not going to stand by that. He didn't do that. He went back. He went out and campaigned for Hillary for 42 or 41 instances out there nonstop. And he still got his ass kicked by her in the media for many, many years, all the way up to today. Then in 2020, he changed his whole system and actually became more uh, conservative in his approach, right? So in those four years, between the first time that he got backstabbed to the second time in 2020, he didn't learn. He actually became worse. So why would anybody give him any credence? Even though, yes, he gave birth to many people like myself and others that listened to him, we can't put no more faith in him because of what he did, not for what he said, but what he's done. And that's how we have to look at anybody who comes on the mic. What have you done? Are you putting your neck out there for us? We don't want to hear no more about what you're, you're going to do. Show us what you've done for the community right now. If Bernie over the last two and a half years had been calling out Joe, as soon as he got on, called him out for not giving us the $2,000 checks, calling, calling him out for not giving us a living wage, for not putting uh, Medicare for all out there when he had, he could have did it, you know, an executive order. Yeah, then let's get behind Bernie. But because he's done none of that, he's done the opposite. We, we should not waste a single dime or minute on Bernie at all. And I think most of us here on the left are galvanized to understand and are sophisticated enough to know that he would be a bad choice. And then to your point, who can we put in there? Yeah, uh, Cornell West, I love him since my early 20s and up to today. I love that guy. And I think a lot of people will respect him. Chris Hedges, the same way. Jimmy Dore, the same. I, I love Jimmy because he says a lot of things that he's very much out in the forefront. And, and sometimes his passion gets people a little bit, you know, like they can't take it. But I think he has the quick width savvy to get across message in quick bites and also in long bites because he, he carries these four or two hour long shows. He can get in a conversation with anybody from any class, from any level. He could do that. And you need to be able to do that. And he's charismatic enough that people would gravitate towards him. Although people, the, the, the snowflakes would be pissed that he would get that opportunity. But once you listen to, to someone like Jimmy Dore, and if you per, had a pair with him and either Cornell or Chris Hedges, it would be a balanced ticket. We need someone like that. We, we, we can't have any more this week, whatever you want to call it. You know, when I hear a lot of the people that were talking before me, some of them really think they're really thinking things through. But they're being kind of slow-minded in a sense. And it, it, RBN teaches us we have to be about direct action. We have to be forthcoming with what we want. We can't be sitting in the back of the bus anymore. We got to be in the front of the bus telling them, like Tupac said, hey, we've been in the back. We've been waiting for you guys to feed us. We're not waiting anymore. We want that food now. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I, I want to mention uh, something that you said earlier on about Bernie Sanders not calling out the DNC to what they did to him when he ran against Hillary Clinton. And I think that's incredibly important because till this day, Bernie Sanders has not called out the DNC. He has not called out 
all of the things that they did to him when he ran against Hillary Clinton. He has not called out Barack Obama for the phone calls that he made telling people to drop out before Super Tuesday. And I think that's incredibly important. And that's the thing about Bernie Sanders that I've noticed. He's willing to, you know, fight back against the Republicans and the GOP. But when it comes to the Democratic Party, he is soft on them. And he was soft on them also during the primary debates for 2020. There were so many things he could have said to Joe Biden. Everybody on that stage attacked Joe Biden, except for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders said Joe Biden is a good friend of mine. And I think that should have been a big red flag to me when I was watching those debates. There you go. A hundred percent. So what those words that he used to call him his friend, Savvy, that disarmed a lot of people that believed in Bernie Sanders. People that believed in Bernie, when he said those words, then people had to rethink what they were thinking about Joe Biden. Right. So many people that may have said, oh, you know, what Bernie says has a lot of gravity. It has a lot of truth behind it. And now he's telling us, the people that love Bernie, that Joe's not a bad guy. Well, so that has a lot of influence over people, you know. And so I guarantee you that there are millions of people that voted for Joe Biden because of what Bernie said. We, can, we may not be able to quantify it, but I guarantee you, because I worked in marketing and words and what people say and the people that you believe in, they have brand. They have that ability that when you hear somebody that you trust say something, even if you don't want to believe it, you may end up believing it because of what, how much trust you put on that person. The same thing with Bernie. So, no, we can't waste time on Bernie anymore. We can't we can't do that. We need to start something new. Uh, we got to ex exactly what you guys have been saying, direct action, focusing on that. Shama Sawant, okay, she's a perfect candidate, right? She's the type of person that we need. Somebody who's willing to fight the good fight on behalf of everyday people. Someone who's not going to take anything from the corporations, who's not going to go there to make friends, which is what Bernie is, has been doing for the last two and a half years, three years, with Joe Biden and his administration, what AOC and the squad have done. Uh, Sama Shawan has done the opposite and she's gotten more out of it by just going in the fight, you know, like really being on the offensive and being multi-purpose with their strategies. We don't do none of that with, with, with Bernie or AOCs or any other guys in the Democratic Party at all. I mean, they are just basically pigeonholed into what they do with, with the mainstream media. We can't do that. If we continue to wait like this, not only is the country going to get worse, because it is getting worse, because all the other economies are going to outgrow us, uh, like Jackson was saying before, you know, with China and other countries, uh, because they're actually doing it the right way. Instead of fighting and bombing countries, they've been actually helping people, even if they're doing it for their own reasons. It's better to help people than it is to go bomb them and kill them. And, in, and, and we've been wasting so much money in, the, in our defense budget. You know, you know, the $53 billion that are going to the Ukraine, nobody's asking, even up to today, right now, June, June 10th, nobody's asked anybody, how are you paying for the $53 billion? So yep. we, should not, we should not be worrying about how we're going to pay for Medicare for all because nobody, right? That's, that's our money. And, and so, you know. I have I have people in my family who don't have medical, don't have health care. I have, I have people that are in and out of jobs. I know people that are really hit by what's going on. And they these people, these people in my family, my close knit people that I know that are hurting by this, 
most of them don't listen to you. They don't even know that RPN exists, unfortunately. And so the majority of the public still doesn't understand truly what's going on. So we need to continue to get the message out, which I know you guys are doing. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And another thing, too, a lot of these politicians, they're not in our community. They may be representatives of our district, but a lot of them, they go to D.C. You never see them again. They don't come back. The only time they come back is when they need you to vote for them again so they can get reelected. And that includes my state senator, Elizabeth Warren. She's yeah. another. That includes Ed Markey. That includes like all of them from Massachusetts that are sitting in D.C. They only seem to come around when they need you to vote for them again. And it's, it's really disappointing, but that's just the reality of the situation. They're really not there to help us. They're thinking about themselves. They do what they need to do so they can, they can continue to pretend like they're doing something for us so that we'll vote for them again. And then they continue to make a better life for themselves. Some of these people in the House and in the Senate, they're millionaires. Yeah. They sold out a long time ago. And one, so last, have- one last point, Savvy, before I know some other people are coming right behind me, but I want to continue to encourage you, uh, Nick, CJ, JB, Johanna, and Rome, to come out and do your speeches in the coming months you know, before the end of the year, if you guys get the opportunity to do so, because I think the more people that hear your message, uh, it's undeniable what you guys speak about. Once you hear it, it it'll, it completely makes you think like, oh, shoot, man, like I, I've been wrong how I've been looking at all these for all these years. And here's somebody who's telling me the truth, what I've been thinking about, but maybe I couldn't put into words. Maybe I didn't know how to put it into a way that it made sense. Here comes RBM. And they say what's really happening. And I guarantee you that if more people hear your message, more people are going to come over to our side. So thank you, Sabi. Thank you so much, Eric. Okay, Omar, you are the next caller. Hey, Sabi Sabs. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing great. Is that you? Is that your picture in the profile? No, that's Yanis Varoufakis. He used to be the Greek finance minister. Oh, okay. I was about to say, you don't look happy in that that picture. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's somebody I admire. I don't know if you're familiar with him. (laughs) Are you? I am not. I'm not. But the picture, I'd have to like zoom into it somehow. Yeah, no, check check him out. He's he's a really... uh, brilliant economist to to listen to but that's that's um beside the point (laughs) yeah um yeah i wanted to to say that um bernie is going to turn 82 in 2024 and um the thing that chris hedges has said uh about bernie is that he and shama sawant approached him and urged him to run third party. And he said, I don't want to end up like Ralph Nader. And he's going to be 82. And if I were 82, I wouldn't give a damn about the consequences, about ending up like anybody, like Ralph Nader. Like I would just try to make a difference. I mean, at that age. Right. That's why I'm like, what is this really, what is it really about? Exactly. Exactly. Like, I feel that 
there's there's just either some mechanisms within the Democratic Party, whether they're like subtle or not subtle, where people are getting uh, threatened with either being taken out of this commission or that commission, that chair, or more direct mafia threats are, are happening against them that they just conform like that, that video. I don't know if you saw that video of um, AOC when they were voting on giving Israel more money where Nancy Pelosi approaches her and like whispers something to her. And, and it's just kind of, it's shady. Um, like, yes. yeah. I remember. That lets you know who running yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, what kinds of threats they're making, if they're like soft threats or hard threats, but like that, those kinds of institutions like have so much vested interest in, in just maintaining power and, and pleasing their donors that there's just all kinds of things going on behind the scenes that unfortunately politicians are not they're not courageous enough to be transparent with us. Like I wish there would be politicians that would tell us, look, I got threatened with this and I'm going to expose this, this threat to everybody. So everybody knows and consequences be damned. I don't care like what, what happens, but I'm going to expose these people. Like we need that kind of politician. And that's why like, I, I have not voted for Democrats uh, since Ralph Nader, like I just, I've been, I've been aware of like just how corrupt, like our duopoly is, and it's it, like I wish Ralph Nader would run again. Like he was just done wrong, and he was villainized, and I never fell for it. Like those votes did not, did he? Uh, Al Gore was not entitled to them. There was uh, evidence of people, not even uh, people wouldn't have. Some people wouldn't have gone out to vote had Ralph Nader not run. So they were not going to give Al Gore their votes. So it's just propaganda. Like they, they use all kinds of uh, tactics to try to villainize people and blame other people without taking responsibility. So like we need politicians like Ralph Nader, um, who's, who has so like decades of advocacy under his belt. We need, people like Cornell West. I don't know if he would ever run. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. Agreed. Thank you so much for calling in Omar. Thank you. Um, I saw your, your chat message about um, Shama Sawan. I'm going to ask her about that when she comes on, she's supposed to be here later this yeah. month. Um, but I'm going to ask that she can't run, right? Yeah. I think she was born uh, in India and I think, yeah, because she's not a natural born citizen she's not eligible to run for for the presidency which is i mean i think it's a stupid thing i think we should do away with that but anyway okay all right thank you so much um omar yeah, thank you to- okay rose you're on the mic let's try again you just got to hit the unmute button Woo-hoo. there we go sorry about that can you hear me all right <clears throat> i can't Okay, so thanks for having me on. Um, I actually had a kind of a different, well, not too different. I agree with pretty much Chris Hedges and what most people have said about Bernie Sanders' cowardice and his failure to, uh, you know, get a movement going. But I actually think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because 
um, because he's cowardly and because, well, I don't know if he's cowardly or if he's being blackmailed or whatever it is, but because he's ultimately tied to the Democratic Party for whatever reason, I think it's actually sort of a blessing in disguise that uh, he failed us sooner than later because this provides us, the, it kind of motivates us to get into a kind of, you know, organizing method where we actually have to like figure out what we got to do. Because I think if he had actually done what Nick Brana wanted him to do and start a third party of his own, I think it would have, I don't, th I don't think it would have been very successful. Um, and I, I but this is, go ahead. Why not? Uh, well, just because um, I feel like his policies are ultimately too moderate um in a sense um for example un uh, universal healthcare as opposed to nationalized healthcare and things like that i i could get into that more but my main thing is um in terms of the void that it's kind of left his his failure i think it um it provides us with an opportunity because i think that this is something that i mentioned to rbn a while back was i i asked them uh like how much they like believe in electoral politics still. I think it was Nick, um, JB and Josana. And I asked them like on a scale of like one to 10, like with 10 being like, do you believe in just direct action? Have you completely given up on electoral politics? And I think if I remember correctly, I think it was Josana was a 10, meaning she completely gave up on electoral or has given up or has always given up on electoral politics. Um, Nick was a nine and I think JB was an eight. And I, I think I'm 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 on with Nick. I'm a nine because I do think that when it comes to domestic policies, I do think that mutual aid, ballot initiatives, general strikes, direct action in general is the way to go. But I also feel that we do have to focus on electoral politics somewhat, not with the Democratic Party, but with the third party strategy. I do think that we need to focus on electoral politics a little bit just because of foreign policy and what our current elite leaders are doing in other countries, which is something that we can't necessarily prevent with just direct action at least right now um so my, my i actually have an idea for a third party because i feel like and it's not me that's going to start it because i toss wings for a living but i just want to kind of get the conversation going a little bit because i feel like what limits uh third parties from really posing a threat to the duopoly establishment is that they they're based on a kind of subversion of one of the existing parties. Um, basically, they're left or right. In the case of libertarians, they're pulling from Republicans. In the case of the Green Party, they're pulling from Democrats. And I kind of feel that way about, well, like the Andrew Yang's forward party, that's kind of pulling from the center. People's Party, that's pulling from Bernie's crowd. So they all have platforms. And my idea is a third party with no platform, where any candidate can run on any platform as long as, you know, not as long as anything, just if they want to oppose the Democrats and Republicans for any reason, uh, even if it's like a, you know, neocon boomer GOP guy, I think we should let him run because I think he will fail. Um, and I think that the, I basically the idea of having a party instead of just running independent would be to promote each other's, uh, platforms on media, debate each other, kind of have like a network of, uh, discourse and I guess dialectical, uh, you know, debates and stuff to kind of figure out where we are on the positions. And because I feel like let's say like let's say you're pro gun and pro choice, which I happen to be both. So like I couldn't I could never run for the Republican Party because I'm pro choice and I could never run for the Democratic Party because I'm pro gun um, or at least pro, you know, not <laughs> not too pro gun, obviously. But, you know, in, in general, I support the Second Amendment. So that's that's something I, I think about is like we kind of blame politicians for lying to us all the time. But the reason they lie to us is because they can be electable or whatever within the, not within the, the general election, but within the primaries, because they have to 
kind of appeal to what the party's platform is. And so I, I was kind of curious to get your thoughts on that. So that's interesting. So you don't think we should have a party where people come together on the issues? Because from what I understood, the the idea of MPP was to bring people together on the issues. Um, so, so you think well, that that actually might be what's hindering the parties? Uh, not, not quite. I think we can come together on the issues, but my idea would be that we could basically have open factions within the party. For example, you could run as yourself, whatever your name is, and then you just say what your, I guess, ideology is, or you're kind of where you're leaning on the political spectrum, more or less. So we could still have, um, you know, a people's party within the party that I'm talking about, like the theoretical idea of it. Um, it would just be that you could have like, um, a Kashama Sawant, you know, as I'm not, I'm not sure. I know pre she can't natural born citizen, so she can't run for president, but maybe she could be senator or congresswoman or something. I'm not sure what the limitations are on that. But for example, we, we could have her and then we could also have, and I know that some people <laughs> might not, I don't like the idea either, but we could also have like Gary Johnson or some, you know, libertarian guy in some other state that's also representing the party. And, you know, obviously we're going to oppose them, but the idea would be that if they, if we're promoting their platform because they're going against the Republican and Democrat duopoly, um, and they could be promoting us, even though they're against us, and we could kind of boost each other. And it, it's sort of my idea was sort of like taking Christian Small's, you know, union organizing approach of like not having a litmus test and applying that to electoral politics, which I know is kind of a it, it might not work in one area, you know, as well as the other, of course. But I do think that like if if because like these issues that we agree on have such popular support, like, for example, I would. A lot of you and other people have talked about how like Medicare for all has like a majority Republican support, even though Republican politicians and Democratic politicians don't support it. So there's these kind of populist policies that could be implemented. Um, and I get that the movement for People's Party is kind of trying to go for that. But my and I, I, I support People's Party and Forward Party and really, honestly, any party that's trying to go against duopoly, because I just feel like we need to get the imperialists out first and foremost. But I do think that the kind of limitation is that they're kind of pitching themselves as the, the Bernie party, you know, whereas I feel like a party with, with that's specifically makes its mission to have no platform and to have all candidates run as themselves, like with their own positions, we could still cooperate with people that agree with us and we could oppose people that disagree with us, but it would be kind of a network to kind of, you know, boost each other against the establishment. But maybe, I don't know. I, know, I understand it's kind of a chaotic idea. I was just curious because I've been asking uh, multiple people about this. I asked like George Galloway about this recently, but that's interesting. Anyway. That sounds um somewhat similar to what Case Study QB has. He calls it the People's Gauntlet, mm. and that I, was I the, don't know what the, yeah. He had the People's Gauntlet, and it was it was kind of like the idea was to get candidates across the board. Like it wasn't just for progressives. Like there was a tab for Republicans, libertarians, like third party, like everyone. Um, but what ended up happening so far, and I have to get case study QB back on what ended up happening so far was that it was just progressives that were mm. choosing to be a part of the people's gauntlet. Um, yeah, I could see that. being yeah, an issue. But, but I, I see what you're saying. Like just having people go run across the board and not necessarily be under a party per se. I guess maybe the, my, which I don't know if it would work, but my proposed solution to that would be to kind of build, 
not necessarily a coalition, but build an understanding with people um, in the libertarian side or, you know, obviously we have to make some concessions that we're not going to like. Um, and again, I don't know how many, how much of, uh, you know, everyone here is going to be on board with that. But I think in terms of like, cause it's all about the debate stage and getting on that debate stage for me. And I think pushing that 5% because that's kind of why I think that it's kind of a blessing in disguise that Bernie failed sooner than later, because I, I do think that that third party would have, it would have gotten the thing where like, maybe it would get 1%, maybe 2%, but it wouldn't have really pushed, you know, whereas I feel like if we really like formed coalitions, not the right word, but because we don't have to necessarily change. That's my, that's my idea is that we wouldn't have to change anyone's mind on anything. Uh, we could just say like, Hey, if you oppose the Republicans and Democrats for any reason, even if you are, even if you agree with them on most things that maybe you just want to oppose them because they ran over your dog or something silly like that. But, uh, I just feel like that could be, that could actually pose a threat that I feel like that could get more than 5% and we could get progressive, uh, even communist perhaps, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, candidates in, in, uh, the office, you know, potentially, obviously it's a pipe dream, but I feel like, it has more potential strategically than what is currently being done with third party movements. And I don't know. I just feel like that's the direction that we should go in, but I was just curious to get your take on that. But yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's an interesting concept. That's interesting. I have to think about that. I, I, I would call think- it the exit. <laughs> I, sorry. I would call it the exit party. It's just my idea, but I don't, like I said, I toss wings for a living, so it's not going to be me that starts. It's not going to be that has the money to start it. So I just kind of have been talking to random people on the Internet uh, that I that I follow, um, mostly on the left, but some people on the right too, just kind of get the conversation going. And I do see how that could be a limitation, that it ends up being one faction and then it kind of uh, deflates from there. But I, I guess my only proposed solution to that would be that we build more of a I guess understanding that we have to fight these people first and then we can get to all the things that we disagree on with the anti-establishment right or whatever. But I don't know. That's all I really wanted to say. But thank you very much, Sabrina, for having me on. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your work and RBN's work. So thanks for everything you all do. And uh, I guess that's it. Thanks so much for calling in, Rose. All right. Thank you. Pedro, you're the next caller. You're on the mic. <clears throat> good, good evening, Sabi. Can you hear me well? Oh, Pedro, um, can you turn up your mic? Okay, just a second. Uh Uh-oh, and just like that, Pedro was gone. I don't know what happened. I'm going to go ahead to the next caller, and that is uh, Rodrigo. Hey, Sabi, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, this is my first time talking to you. I actually just wanted to say that I, I really like your show. I think, I think you're one of the, you're like the gutsiest lefty that we have. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. To answer your question though, I do think Bernie is kind of a sheep herder for the Democratic Party. And I think he is a lot to, to blame for the fact that we can't really have a third party. But, um, I was curious, um, what kind of president do you think Bernie would have been if he had actually won? 
<laughs> oh man. If you would have asked me this question like a year ago, my answer would be different than it will be now. A year ago, I would have said, man, if Bernie would have won, we'd probably have universal health care right now. He would have done it by executive order. He would cancel student loan debt. We would have more tangibles. Today, <laughs> after seeing how Bernie Sanders has behaved since Joe Biden has won, I would say, honestly, I think Bernie Sanders would have went along with what the Democratic Party establishment wanted. I don't think we would have Medicare for all right now. I think Bernie Sanders probably would have given us a lukewarm version of that, maybe some type of expansion, but I don't think we would have universal health care. I don't think all of student loan debt would be canceled either. I think you'd probably do like a certain percentage of it. I really do. Yeah, that's exactly right. I feel the same way because like he's like the Senate, he's the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, right? And I haven't seen him use his, his power in any way. I haven't seen him challenge chuck schumer joe biden or the democratic leaders in any way so i guess i have trouble comprehending why some people think bernie would have been a like a revolutionary president i think he would have ultimately been just like um obama where i think he would have gone with what whatever the i guess the establishment would have wanted him to to do so i think yeah, I think Bernie has really been more of a hindrance for us than a, an ally at this point. But Right. That's the thing I was saying. Like, why isn't Bernie Sanders using his independent status as some type of leverage for the Democratic Party? Like, they need his vote in the Senate. Without his vote, he'd become another, you know, mansion or cinema, right? Exactly. So they need his vote. So why isn't he using that independent status? I mean, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin aren't independents. <laughs> and look at how they just look at how they just you know go against their own party you got bernie sanders who's not even a part of the democratic party he's an independent but he still is loyal to the democratic party that don't make any sense so to me it's just like he's not using his status the way that he could same thing with the squad they're not using leverage that they have and i think that's on purpose at this point that's exactly how i feel I could go on a whole tangent about this, but I had a different question, actually. Um, have you ever tried reaching out to some of these uh, folks that still believe, like, in the idea of taking over the Democratic Party? Like, I know there's, like, Kyle Kalinske, Chris Laval, like, Rational National, like, not even just to talk to them about it, like, um, to see if they would even discuss their strategy. Like, this, have they ever been open to having that dialogue with you? That's a good question. Um, I could not find any contact information for, not that I've tried to reach out to them, but I couldn't find any contact information for Crystal or for Kyle. Um, and Rational National, I don't think I found contact information for him either. Um, some of these people have blocked RBN on Twitter. Oh, that. And so, oh, yeah. Just, just over disagreements of, defunding the police that that's been one of the major disagreements wow. um, and continuing to put progressive through the democratic party. So that's a strategy that they still want to do. And there are some people like Mike Figueredo from humanist report. Oh, he'll block you in a heartbeat. So <laughs> he's he blocked that's RBN and by RBN, I mean the, our RBN Twitter account, um, but right. also some individuals from RBN. So that's a lost cause. Um, most of them are not willing to have that conversation from what I've gathered. Now, there are some that I have been able to contact, 
they won't have the conversation. David Sirota won't have the conversation and he'll just continue to tweet at us, even though he blocked us on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of ego involved. And I know people have their opinions about like Jordan uh, Sheraton, but at least Jordan Sheraton was willing to have the conversation. So he brought right. JB from RBN on his show and they had that discussion. That's far and few. Most of those people, especially the ones with the larger platforms, there's a lot of ego involved. So even when you do, if you do have some type of conversation with them on Twitter, there's a lot of, I don't know how to say it. There's, there's just a lot of, they feel, some of them feel like, especially if you look at someone like Sam Cedar and this I've seen from <laughs> my own experience with him on Twitter, uh, some of them feel like you have to either be of a certain class or you have to be of a certain academic status. So like, for example, if you're not an academic elite, nine times out of 10, some of them are not going to talk to you, which is funny because they're not academic elites. <laughs> uh, if, if you're, you know, just everyday working class like person, but you have the experience of a lot of the things they're talking about nine times out of 10, if there's not something in it for them, if they can't make money off of it, if it doesn't fit their brand, they're not going to talk to you. And that's unfortunate. Like, I'm glad you asked me that question. No one else has really asked me that question outside of people who are already in left media. But most of us in left independent media that have the smaller channels that are not trying to put progressives through the Democratic Party anymore, most of us have that same experience. And so that is why you will see some people go on some shows, but you'll never see them come on our shows. And it's not to say that they haven't been contacted or they haven't been invited on, but there's a lot of ego involved. And then there's also a racial component too, which a lot of people don't want to talk about. I mean, let's be real. There aren't many black people on the left doing independent media. And the few of us that are present, most of us don't fit their class requirements. So one of the pushbacks I get a lot from people, I get a lot of emails. People will ask me, why don't you bring this person on? I just saw them on bad faith. And what people don't understand is that you have to understand that Brianna Joy Gray was Bernie Sanders press secretary. She's already a public figure. She also went to Harvard. So although we may both have a lot of education, she's someone that was already known. So just because you see someone go on to bad faith, that does not mean they're going to come on my show, even though both of us are black women. There is a class difference. And I think a lot of people don't understand that until you come into this into this space. So that's why you don't see you would never some of the people that you've seen go on to. I'm just going to throw this out there. Some of the people that you've seen going to Vanguard would never come on to RBN. Simply because we're black. Not because there's this this meanness to us or anything like that, but simply because we're black and they're white. And that's how it works in this space. And that's something that I think that we talked about this before on RBN during the General Strike Summit when Brianna Joy Gray came on. We had this discussion and her and Nico House, they admitted like their experience in this space. So. It wasn't just something that was happening to us. It happens to black people in this space. And that's a big part of the problem. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. Actually, since you, uh, 
since you mentioned Brianna Joy Gray, I feel like um, I actually don't know her position on this topic. I I think I want to say she's still at least sympathetic to the to the idea of of sending progressives through the Democratic Party. And I was curious if you ever reached out to her to talk to her about it, because I've I think it might be uh, maybe it might be an uncomfortable conversation. But I heard CJ uh, mentioned recently that if we want to be revolutionaries, it does involve sometimes having uncomfortable conversations. And I think she would be a um, a good voice for to have for, to represent both sides if if like that dialogue ever took place. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I recommend that you relay that information to her. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll make sure to go to Colin and tell her about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it like that. <laughs> sure. I mean, I just think it would be a, a really interesting, really- but, um, but yeah, thank you, Safi. I appreciate your time. I always uh, enjoy your show. Thank you so much. All right, going to the next caller here, and that is Amanda. Good evening. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, I I appreciate you having a discussion on this topic. I was a big fan of Bernie in 2016, and it was obvious in 2020 he was just siphoning off all of the progressives, and it's very frustrating to be there. But I think that we need to not forget that without Bernie running in 2016, we wouldn't have issues like Medicare for All or $15 minimum wage even in the zeitgeist other than from Occupy, right? So, I, I mean, I, I'm not a giant fan of, of the, what it looks like happened with Bernie and the campaigns both times, but I don't want to lose track that without his efforts, we wouldn't be having these conversations. There wouldn't be much of a movement. There's still a lot of people to educate, and if you're not tired of saying it, you haven't said it often enough that everybody's gotten it. So those of us who've been working on these things for a long time are very tired of, oh, so electoralism doesn't really work, right? <laughs> well, most people that are in the circles that that the people that are listening to your show and you and me are in, we know all of these things, so they seem obvious, but not everybody's aware of them. Right. No, you're you're right. I mean, a lot of people, especially the ones that haven't heard of RBN, mm-hmm. they have no idea. Like a lot of the things we're talking about, they have no idea of some of the, the issues, the underlying issues that are happening within the Democratic Party. And right. I think that's, that's part of the problem. Um, just a couple of other things that um, somebody earlier said, you know, we need to elect people that will hold the rest of Congress accountable. But the, it's the job of journalists and citizens to be holding the, the politicians accountable, not other politicians. You have to work with other politicians when you're a politician. You can't be, um, you know, you can't be just pissing people off all the time, I guess, unless you're a Republican, because it seems like they seem to have um, a lock on that. 
but in terms of of a third party when i when i think about like my local election i've got i've got my representatives that are running in my district well i'm not i'm declined to state but i'm not going to vote for a republican but the parties have these um systems set up to make it easier to get elected and a number of years ago i said if i ever wanted to really get elected to a public office that was partisan i would i would go as a republican they know how to get elected even in places where they're not the majority of the voters right but what in order to get a third party i think one of the things that could happen is you get people elected as democrats or republicans with the understanding they're going to build a coalition once they're there kind of like the progressive coalition but then they start a new party because there's a power of incumbency when you're running for office and it's hard to get in if you're not a D or an R so you get them in as a D or an R with the understanding like you were like the previous caller was saying about a coalition of people that may not ex- have exactly all of the same social issues but there's there's some baseline issues that they that they would agree with i don't know what do you think of that idea no that's a good point and i i think you know roger meadows always says that like we need to abolish parties <laughs> we need to abolish yeah. political parties <laughs> I, i'm with that i'm with that 100 100% that doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime right soon unless we get rank choice voting Right, right. And that that's another one um for those of you who are in those ballot initiative states. That's one I think you should heavily push to get on the ballot. Uh we did get it on the ballot here in Massachusetts. Unfortunately, the way they worded the question, most people I talked to they didn't, they didn't understand the question, so they were like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a little more confusing the ranked choice voting, but I think it's one of the the things that we could be putting some energy into other than creating a third party. I'm not saying that a third party is not a good idea. I'm just saying I I in, until you have people that are already incumbent, it's it's very difficult. And if you could build a coalition, you know, on the back end. That's all. I I I've got a million more ideas, but I very much appreciate you being here on this venue and the, all of the people that participate whether they're just listening or calling in. I think it's a fantastic um opportunity for us to be better citizens of our country, better residents of this country. Awesome. Thank you so much for calling in, Amanda. Yep. Have a good night. You too. All right, nullified. You're on the mic. Just have to hit unmute. Hi, Sabi. How you doing? Hello. How are you? Pretty good. Um, wanted to ask, don't you think that like with all the uh like um with all the like corruption and the qualified immunity and sort of uh a selective uh enforcement of the laws and like pedo- or, excuse me like abusers like Epstein in high places and like you know child murder and all that stuff and mass shootings it doesn't seem i don't know it seems to me that it's a bit strange that people would continue to participate in that system i think it's like more rational to like not participate in that at all and just close ourselves off and hmm 
That's a good point. Um, you know, some of the members at RBN are done with electoral politics altogether. Um, I think that if you're going to participate, we should focus on third party independent. I think we need to shake things up with the two party system, but I totally get where you're coming from. Um, it's unfortunate though. The, the problem that you're going to run into, I think with just getting rid of it completely is that you still have to pass legislation. There's some things that have to be done through legislative process. So what I'm asking people to do, try to focus on electoral politics through your, your local electoral system. Like try to see how you can get involved in your community. Like city council is a good one because like, for example, like they're not closed off, at least in, in my state, like city councilors aren't closed off. You can have access to them. If you have questions, you can come to city council meetings. They're free. You just show up. But I notice, like once you get higher in the ranks when it comes to politics, that's when you start to lose contact and access with these politicians. So, for example, Elizabeth Warren is my state senator. We have no access to Elizabeth Warren. It's it just gets worse and worse the higher up you go. And so. I recommend like trying to see what you can do in your community when it comes to politics, like how you can help implement things there. I don't know what state you live in, but if you live in a state that has ballot initiatives, that's another way that you could get involved electorally. At the same time, I think that you should also focus on direct action and mutual aid. Um, but it depends on the state you live in. And I say this because some some states or some cities have these rules against like you can't feed homeless people. Uh, so it depends where you are and you don't have to tell me. But I think I, I totally get where you're coming from. At the same time, I think that we need to I think we still need to pressure them. I think we need to put pressure on the politicians because I think like once we just say, well, screw all of this, I'm not going to voice my opinion. I think we should be voicing our opinion at them. I think that when they have these meetings in our towns, in our cities, when they come back and they say, register to attend this town hall, I think if we can go, we should go and we should voice our opinion the same way people have been doing against Jim Clyburn, by the way. The gentleman that's running against Jim Clyburn, now I have issues with some of his policies as well, but he did that. Before he announced he was running against him, he put pressure on him in town hall meetings. I've seen activists put pressure on Jim Clyburn as well. And all these have been recorded and I've seen them on social media. So I think that's the thing. You have to piss them off. I think you really do. Because at that point, it's like, do they want to get faced with the mob all the time or people like yelling at them and being upset with them because they're not doing what they said they were going to do? Are they going to continue dealing with that? Or are they just going to like drop out, just leave DC? And maybe that's what needs to happen. Uh-oh, nullified. I don't know what happened. Oh, no. I think I may have lost you. I think I did. Can anyone hear Nullified? I can't hear him. Nope. Okay, sorry, Nullified. I'm going to go to Pedro. Uh, Pedro, you're going to be the last caller, and then I'm going to wrap it up because it's 1135. 
Uh, I said, can you hear me now? Can we hear you well? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good, good. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, so uh, the issue is Bernie 24, it seems. So I just wanted to say a quick thing about Bernie. Uh, so for me, uh, Bernie, the 2016 and 2000 Bernie, for me, was like the perfect candidate for for just who, who he is uh, and what he could be have been or be as a president. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. So my 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 hope of what or what what I should, would like to happen would be at Bernie twenty four. Yes, mainly because that's just the only thing we have right now, or the best thing I should say. Uh, because nobody else said uh, was going to run uh, in the left or can call it the progressive left. So basically all I want is uh, a Medicare for all, a candidate that supports Medicare for all and being anti-war. That, that's all I want, basically. So uh, so Bernie said, uh, I'm okay with that, so fine. So... Yeah, I don't know if the previous callers were a bit harsh to Bernie, but uh, I would just call it uh, a pr pragmatic, which is a person that understands what happens in the real world and uh, just keeps quiet and tries to to live another day, I guess, and try to, to get along and get things done. Because uh, even if uh, by some chance was elected president, uh, a president... As I think has limited power, actually. So he has to work with the Senate to actually make laws, and that is uh, kind of difficult. Uh, also, Bernie, Bernie has some awful uh, advisors, like for example, Matt does on foreign policy. He's just an awful person. He, I don't know if you know about this, but he has a, a beef with uh, the journalist. Uh, Aaron Mate and Max Lubantal from the Grey Zone, which I consider they are the, the gold standard in journalism regarding and, and foreign policy. But uh, this Matt, this guy, apparently is pro-war. Uh, imagine being a progressive pro-war, so I, I really don't understand. So, so yeah, that's what I, wa what I wanted to say. So have a good evening. Thank you. Okay, um, I'm just a little bit confused because, it, it, okay, so if you feel that Bernie is more like a pragmatic and he understands like what is actually going to get done, I get that. But should a person who knows that run a campaign and tell his audience that he's starting a revolution? I yeah, guess that's uh, the question that I have. That's a good thing to say if you are a politician making a speech. Uh, my gold standard, is, I don't know if you know, uh, Bernie did a documentary about the life of the socialist uh, leader Eugene Debs that lived in the beginning of the, of the last century. And uh, you think it, that kind of Bernie is like an ideal candidate, uh, what he believed believe in the socialist movement. So... If you believe in that, you should speak about it as a candidate. That's what candidates do. They speak. That's all they do. They speak and argue with people. But when you get in power, you have to get along with the power. And the power might not believe what what you believe. So you, that it's called being a pragmatic. So you have to 
get along with other people. I guess that's what he, he is right now. He's, he's, he's on the Senate. He, he looks like an intelligent person that uh, speaks his mind and has a good understanding of the world around him. So if I, if I, if what, like I said, well, what I think it should happen, he should run again and uh, try to form a good, good uh, policy thing and get best people and just try to make it work because really there's there's no nobody else that I, better that I can see that that can achieve uh, what uh, what should be achieved, which has which is which is to have Medicare for all and and not and not having a war because right now we. We are on the brink of World War Three, so. But, but 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 what is he going to run again as? Run again as what? Run again as himself, being Medicare for all and pro uh, anti-war. I think it should it, it should challenge. Bernie Sanders is an anti-war. He is not anti-war. Uh, yeah, that that's true. Yeah, actually kind of true, but uh, maybe in his heart he is anti-war, I don't know. Uh, even if he is not anti-war, uh, 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 like I said, it's, uh, yeah, you're right, he's not, he, he voted no, no, for... He's not, when it comes to voting, he's not anti-war. So he, he voted against the Iraq war, but he's voted for all this funding and all these other wars. So he's really not he's really not anti-war. And I guess I'm just trying to figure out why do you think Bernie Sanders should run again? Run again as what? As a, as a Democrat again or run again as an independent or third party? Like uh, it should run uh, whatever you think it's better to to win. Um, I guess if it uh, could be either inside the Democratic Party and or ideally it should be as a as an independent but, but uh, as long as he gets his message along and gets elected, whatever it, whatever it takes, and uh, the, the 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 platform should be Medicare for all um, at at the very minimum and possibly anti-war. But he's not going to do that, so I don't know what he's going to do. So I just okay. think he should. Yeah, you yeah. you got that. All right, That's, Pedro. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right, thanks for calling in. All right, guys, I'm sorry. Um, it is it's 11:42. I do have to get going, so I'm sorry I can't take the last two calls. But I want to say thanks to everyone for um calling in, and I'm gonna go ahead and end this segment. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good weekend.